Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do. As listeners to this podcast know, typically Megan and I review movies and television shows from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, today we're going to start a three-part series where we look at Picard Season 2. That will lead us to live podcasting Picard Season 3 when we get caught up. So I just want to let you know that if you're looking for a Marvel Cinematic Universe for the next few episodes, it's going to be Picard Season 2. I hope you will join Megan and I in this exploration of Picard Season 2 as it was some great screenwriting, some great science fiction, some great storytelling, great visiting some old friends from Star Trek The Next Generation and going forward. So I hope you will join Megan Doherty and myself, Tom Fox, in Because That's What Heroes Do, the Picard Season 2 edition. In this episode, we take up Picard Season 2, Episodes 7 and 8. I'm going to start with a short synopsis of each episode, then Megan and I will discuss it. Episode 7, Monsters. In his mind, Picard relieves or relives part of a memory from his childhood where his apparently abusive father, Maurice, chased Picard's younger self and his mother, Yvette, throughout the house. Talon helps Picard realize his mother was actually struggling with mental illness and Maurice was just trying to protect her and Picard. Picard wakes up from his coma and Talon reveals that she is actually Romulan and possibly Lerse's ancestor. Picard theorizes that Q may have taken a personal stake in his trial and asks Guinan to summon Q using the El Arorian ritual. That ritual fails just as FBI agent Martin Wells enters the bar and arrests him based upon his surveillance footage of Picard using his transporter. Rio secretly brings Teresa and her son aboard La Serena, confessing that he is a time traveler. Rafi and Seven discover that the ship's computers have been sabotaged with Borg encryption codes and begin tracking Agnes. They find a bar where she smashed a window and realized that Queen is trying to create more endorphins in Agnes until she has enough power to assimilate more people and become a new Borg Queen. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Megan Dory for our continued exploration of Picard Season 2. Today is Episode 7, Monsters. Megan, what intrigued you or perhaps not about this episode? I found this one a little bit of a slog to get through. I mean, I think they were dealing, of course, with interesting subject matter, very important character development, but I found all of the time spent deep in the recesses of Picard's mind just dragged on a little bit, and I missed a lot of what was going on with the other characters and the other threads in this story. But Tom, what was your overall take on the experience of Picard and Laris in Picard's subconscious? Part of me says it's always interesting when you get these, it's always interesting when you see what has impacted us and what has mm-hmm. formed us and made us make some of the decisions that we have made as adults, whether we knew it or not. And so for me, that was certainly true for a long time. I acted in certain ways and I acted out in certain ways and I had no idea. I didn't even know I was doing it based on something that had happened to me. And it took a long time to, to learn that. It took me a long time to then deal with that after I learned about it. In many ways, I'm still dealing with it. I'm always interested in that, but I thought this one really had some almost delicious little parts. There were some good 
Yeah. The of course, anytime Guyan is involved in anything, no matter who <laughs> plays her, it's great. And I was really intrigued about the Allurian ritual she used to summon Q, and that led to kind of a dialogue between her and Q essentially saying, oh, we haven't met yet, telling the younger guy in that, obviously implying they had, but we know they had from TNG, and that the, actually Q and the Allurians, the Q, the continuum and the Allurians were enemies for a long time, and they didn't have a real hot shooting war, but they had a cold war. By the time it got to TNG, there was no... They clearly weren't friends, but they at least tolerated each other. And Guinan could talk about Q dispassionately in a way she really couldn't talk about the Borg because of what the Borg had done to her. I was really intrigued by that whole part, learning more about Guinan and her people. And then we get the introduction of this FBI agent who I had thought was just a comic relief character. At least he was funny. Like me, he was a- yeah, Joe Friday in the 21st <laughs> century. And he really, I think, plays an important role as we go forward. So I was really in- intrigued by that. And then the last thing was we began to see, maybe we've seen it all along, the romance between Rios and Teresa. I love them. They're a great but couple. They were like uh, Kirk and Jillian in Star Trek Four, in many ways, I thought. So, and that was pretty cool to see them together, and as in all relationships, it's always the guy who's, oh, really? I just, has that been going on all along? I just figured it out. Like, <laughs> so I tell my wife, why do you speak to me as if I'm a child? And she goes, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder what it could yeah. be, honey. I loved, uh, I did love the moment of the kind of reveal when she's absolutely livid that they have snuck into her clinic and are using it to perform procedures unknown, and then sees the tricorder beaming into Rios's hand and is just, excuse me, what now? <laughs> but then at the very end when they get to go on the ship, and it's, it, it, I thought that was a great moment. Yeah, I, I love that whole part of it. And as you were saying with the, when uh, Ganon was explaining how Alorians think about time, that metaphor of time in the bottle, a moment of time captured and able to be recalled, I thought that was just a, a beautiful idea. So I, I did that too. And I thought with the FBI agent, Right at the end. My, one of my first thoughts was that he was actually, he was a time cop rather than an Earth of that time three-letter acronym employee guy. And I looked him up and he has actually played a time cop on Star Trek. He was in Voyager, I think, a guy in Dead, but yeah, as an actual time agency enforcer. So I thought that was interesting. Great choice for a character and uh, his delivery was great. Yeah, I thought he, he was one of the highlights of the episode for me, I think. So uh, I, I get, I'm not sure this was a filler episode, but it did slow down to tell us a lot of different things. But it gave us sort of these delicious little crumbs little or eggs or cookies or moments <laughs> that makes this series so cool and mm-hmm. why we wanted to talk about it. What about the reveal of Talon? This is the episode she reveals she's a yes. Romulan. And I had thought this meant she was Laris ancestor, although perhaps it wasn't that clear. Any thoughts on that one way or the other? No, so I definitely hit down that you know, she was a Romulan after now. I think it, Picard said, oh, you must be an ancestor of this Romulan I know in my time. I thought that the demonstration of her technology was as interesting as anything else, and therefore the technology of the supervisors and the power that they have to influence 
how things look, how things appear. But beyond that, I didn't see too much of it beyond that yet. I think we'll have to see what happens next. I hope our listeners will stick around for the final episode, at least on this particular podcast, Episode 8, Mercy. I am Tom Fox. And I'm Megan Doherty. See you next time. Episode 8, Mercy. Wells tries to make Picard and Guinan confess to being aliens. He separates them and Guinan is visited by Q, who explains that he is dying and the trial is a final attempt to give his own life meaning. He notes that all humans are stuck in the past and Guinan uses astral projection to share this message with Picard. Wells reveals that he has encountered aliens, which when he was a child and thought they wanted to kill him, but Picard explains that these were Vulcans who only wanted to erase his memories. Wells is forced to release Picard and Guinan after the FBI dismisses him for conducting an illegal investigation. Meanwhile, Rafi and Seven find the Queen collecting car and phone batteries to modify Gerardi's body and make it capable of assimilation. She attacks him, but Agnes is able to force her to stop and leave. After learning about her true nature, Kor leaves her father with the help of Q. The queen persuades Soong that he could save his legacy by stealing, helping her to steal La Serena, thereby enabling her to conquer the galaxy. Soong provides her with a squad of mercenaries to convert into Borg drones. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Megan Doherty for our continued exploration of Picard Season 2. Today, we're on Episode 8, Mercy. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you, Tom. Always glad to be here. So what did you think of Episode number 8, Murphy? What what were your favorite parts? I just love this episode. It's a good episode. I'm going to start near the end, though, because there was a line that the first time I heard it, it resonated with me a little bit. But as I've seen more... As we rewatched this series, and I've seen, and then we explored the best of both worlds on mm-hmm. another two-part episode on this series. It's Wolf 359. And their line is basically that humans are trapped in the past. And I think it was said to Picard that he was trapped in the past of what had happened to his mother or his family. And But it really resonated in a way. I'm a huge DS9 fan. And Benjamin Sisko fought at Wolf 359, and Benjamin Sisko lost his wife. And he became a single father, widow, widower, single father. And that in many ways shaped the rest of the DS9 series. Mm-hmm. In the South, we say the past is not dead, is not even past yet. And mm-hmm. that really was driven home for me in this episode. And once again, we're going to talk about Wolf 359 quite a bit more down the road, but that one event, that battle that has affect probably or impacted, I should say, if not influenced every Star Trek series we have seen or explored together. So I just really wanted to to start with that. What did you find most impactful or most interesting perhaps? Similar in kind of the timeline of the episode, it was that same conversation, I think, when Ganon said something really interesting. What I wrote down is that humans are unique in the galaxy because they do this internal work and they do with dealing with their issues because they want to evolve. And I thought the idea of that being a unique quality in the universe was interesting and odd because it almost seems like shouldn't 
wouldn't, I guess, any race or community of people need that kind of desire or impulse to evolve to reach the stars at all. So I hope this is an idea that they play more with, or if it was just a throwaway thing about why humans are so interesting. But uh, I thought it was a a fascinating framing of all this internal work and and mental health work, uh, especially after the last episode, which was so focused on battling those inner demons and understanding those inner demons. So that was really fascinating. Did you think of anything of that particular idea? I did, but I want to tie it to the FBI agent. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because did you get an X-Files kind of Mulder vibe from him? Oh, completely. In fact, I could (laughs) have sworn I heard the theme music. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Playing in my head, particularly in the scene where he meets the aliens. So he meets aliens as a child, and that's not a spoiler alert because you show that. And it has (laughs) impacted him for the rest of his life. And he thinks, much like Tony Stark, they're coming and we better be ready. And we better put the Avengers initiative together to defend our planet. He's going to defend our planet one arrest at a time in the FBI. The FBI. But I thought completely I had that vibe. (laughs) And so we now know why he is passionate, why he's in the basement, and why nobody at the FBI takes him seriously. (laughs) But he, the truth is out there and he's going to find it. Mm -hmm. And he thinks Picard is the key to him finding out that it is, but it's not that he expects. I just love that whole part. I thought I was in X-Files and probably more when he was trying to interrogate Picard in the basement. I'm like, this is perfect. Oh yeah, I I thought it was charming. And and it also made me think that, wait, was that kid and the kind of incomplete mind meld the actual first contact? Because if so, I bet the Vulcans are pretty embarrassed about that. And that's why no one knows about There you go. On the other <laughs> hand, what I thought was that they'd been here all along. And there's probably Entirely a lot possible. of people. And they'd done that too. And they had gotten a complete mind meld. And did or whoever they had done it with didn't remember. So they weren't traumatized. So that's what I got out of it. They were just the watchers from Fringe almost. Another one of my favorites. Oh, Fringe, Fringe is good. But then, of course, the, so the agent finds out he was right all along. And so... Loses his job and lets the aliens go. I was so hoping for a minute there that they were going to bring him along and he was like going to help out and be their buddy. And it's just, just like, no, he's walking out with his box and his plant. And that was realistic. So you, it was. <laughs> what, did, what did you think of Agnes in this episode? Ooh, I think we saw Agnes for the first time in an episode or two, actually. So we learned that she is still present. The Borg Queen is seeking that connection, seeking the connection with others in every way for for touch, for mentality, for smell. thought that was really fascinating. Of course, Raffi and Seven track her down. Seven had, Raffi both had some great moments in this episode, I think. The Borg Queen, perfectly happy for them to be dead, but Agnes will not let that happen yet. So I thought that was very interesting. How did you not think about, but how did you feel around the core and soon seeing? How did that make um, you feel? When she realizes she's one of 14 or whatever number it was. I get really just sad. That's, it, it was a brutal realization, not delivered in any gentle way or for gentle purpose. Q is trying to achieve an outcome with giving her this information and this ability to walk away. And it soon was not able to convince this child of his, but conceived and created by whatever means that he actually cared about her as an individual as a human. It was great that she left, but ultimately just, it's sad. Her world was totally brought down and she was given no comfort other than sunlight, which I mean, could, but yeah, I thought it was sad. How about yourself? 
So that was also a TOS episode. Mm-hmm. And in the TOS episode, the woman creation had to choose between her mature love of Kirk and her fatherly love for her creator. And she was, I think, number five or six of the creations. And the physical choice, the choice was too much for her physical body. Mm -hmm. She had a heart attack and died. So she didn't have to make that choice. So I was a little worried watching Tor. That might (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was afraid of. But she didn't. And she did leave. But... I don't want to well, sound we knew simple. she had to. She, we knew she had to live, because yes. otherwise, how would there be descendants? We have. I'm always. I don't want to sound too cynical, but I always think of these scenes as Pinocchio. I just mm-hmm. want to be a boy, and she just wants to be human. And because Doctor Soong, her creator, has become such an evil geneticist, <laughs> he is not able to impart any empathy for her to, to even move in that direction. And so I guess I would circle back to what you said. It was just sad. Although I was frankly relieved she didn't burst into flame because I thought that's where that was going. Are you a Buffy the Vampire Slayer watcher? No, I'm not. Okay. Then the reference I was about to make would be completely lost on you. So I will skip it. No, we've got a large audience out there. (laughs) Okay. So for anyone anyone who does know Buffy the Vampire Slayer, at the beginning of season, out of absolutely nowhere comes a little sister. And this little sister is not, in fact, a real human, but is a manifestation holding a secret key to another dimension. Long story. But a lot of the episode and the next one really deals with what does it mean to be human in this way? Just because you don't have a real past and you didn't have a real body, but everyone around you treats you as a human, as a family member, you still have that essential element of humanity. And I was wondering if they were going to go in a direction like that here. Uh, Corey has been none of that as soon as the revel- as soon as she became aware that she was not actually human she didn't get that support she didn't get that reaffirmation that she is in fact a person and a valid one so it'll be interesting to see what happens to her next being completely untethered in that way without uh, without the family structure let's perhaps end with the FBI agent okay. because i thought it was incredibly poignant when picard finally realized what had happened to him and explained to him that these were vulcans They were trying to erase his mind so he wouldn't have stress or traumatic stress going forward. They were not here to conquer. They were here to be friends, and that's what happened. And that what I saw was a man who, I assume in his 40s or 50s, had held on to this one belief. And it's not that his belief was negatively destroyed. It was destroyed, but it was destroyed in a way of presentation of facts that his belief had been evil and perhaps there was not an evil explanation that was Mm -hmm. not evil. And so I thought the Picard explanation was incredible. And the, although I did, you want to see him become a part of the team somehow. (laughs) I've enjoyed the team so much. I also thought it was incredibly poignant when Picard left and he was just sitting there and he realized his entire life he'd been chasing a rainbow or a black rainbow, perhaps, or a dark rainbow, I should say. And that maybe there we don't need to call on the Avengers yet. Yeah, I think, you're right. It was a really... Normally, when you have a character who has believed or thought about something for so long, very rarely are they proven to be right and that have absolutely no impact whatsoever on the rest of their life. <laughs> and that's, what a letdown, you know? What a, what an anticlimax for all of his years of belief. I just be like, oh, I was... And 
now I need to find a new job. There's no, I don't get to hang out with aliens. I don't get to even see the cool spaceship. He just, yeah, has to get on with things. We're in near the end of our time for this episode, Megan. I hope our listeners will join us next time where we take up episode nine, Hide and Seek. I am Tom Fox. And I'm Megan Doherty. Thank you, everyone. See you then. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast wherever you listen to great podcasts. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you'll join Megan and I next time where we conclude our exploration of Picard Season 2 by looking at Episodes 9 and 10. This is Tom Fox. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to visiting with you again.